This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome along again for another edition of the Northern Agenda podcast, where we step outside the Westminster bubble and take a closer look at the issues that really matter for the North. I'm Rob Parsons, a political journalist living in Leeds, and I write a daily politics newsletter called The Northern Agenda, looking at the ups and downs of politics from a Northern perspective. Every so often, I like to focus on one particular issue and story and what it means for the North. And this week seems like a great opportunity to take a proper look at a potentially game-changing moment for the local bus services so many of us use and rely on to get around every day. Now, if you follow politics in this part of the world, you'll know all about Andy Burnham, Mayor of Greater Manchester, and described by some, though not himself, as the King of the North. But in the next few days, expect to see and hear him all over our TV and radio, online and in print, as he promotes the launch of the B Network. Coming into effect this Sunday, the B Network will mean bus services for Greater Manchester's population will be publicly controlled rather than run by private companies for the first time since the 1980s. It's a big moment for anyone who uses public transport in Greater Manchester, but also has big implications for Andy Burnham himself. The rest of the North where bus services have been in decline for decades. But for those people who might have heard about the idea, but don't know the details, I wanted to get into the nuts and bolts of how it's gonna work, the pros and cons of bus franchising, as it's known, and how it might play out away from Greater Manchester in the next few years. So I'm very pleased to be joined by Joseph Timmon, local democracy reporter for Greater Manchester. And Joseph is a journalist who's been covering the journey towards this week in Greater Manchester, for the last two years and writing stories on it for the Manchester Evening News and other titles. So it's very nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. Maybe you could just give our listeners a bit of a, a potted history at the start about why we're here. Like what 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 has been wrong with Greater Manchester's bus buses in the past and why does Andy Burnham think that this is the answer? Yeah, well as you were saying, since since the eighties, buses have, have sort of been deregulated um and it's it's just been a bit of a mess that um so currently uh or at least until recently in greater manchester there have been sort of 30 odd operators over 150 ticket types until about last year when when the fares were sort of simplified the, the result of that and there would be other factors to this as well is that bus usage has gone down massively whilst bus usage in london has gone up in the rest of the country it's it's sort of it's, it's nearly halved. So that's that's the context behind this decision. It's something that 
um, local leaders in Manchester for sure, and I'm sure further afield as well, um, have wanted um, to take control of sort of the whole network um, for a while, have more influence over the fares, but also on the routes, the frequency, um, have some kind of accountability in the system as well for when buses aren't running on time. And, and currently bus operators can just cancel services if they find they're not profitable enough or for whatever other reason. That's that's the sort of context before Andy Burnham comes into the picture. Funnily enough, Andy Burnham often jokes that his role was created for this reason. Um, he always says that it was sort of part of the negotiation to get control over buses in a devolution deal. Would in, Part of the compromise was to have a metro mayor. Um, so this is the whole reason his role exists, he sometimes says. A couple of years into um, after his election, the process really sort of began, uh, involved sort of an act in Parliament, um, Greater Manchester started using those powers, but that was a really long process of really thorough assessments of how the scheme would work, looking at alternatives, public consultations, which had to be repeated, I think because of the pandemic, and then legal challenges from the bus operators. So it's been a really long process of about sort of well, 2017 is when they started, so so we're coming up, up to six years now. And that's just starting this process, let alone sort of all of the political appetite here for um, control over buses, which have just started long before that. That's really interesting. Now, um, you, you mentioned the history of this going back to the 1980s, where bus services were deregulated outside London. And obviously the rationale for that under the Thatcher government at the time was that increased competition would drive up standards I suppose it's an extension of the sort of uh, you know laissez-faire conservative approach to government in general but unfortunately that was not how it has played out over the last three or four decades and uh, you and I were in a uh, a briefing an online briefing with Andy Burnham and his team yesterday and they showed a, a chart which kind of illustrates the decline of local bus services uh, over the last four decades and it's incredibly stark the uh the the london the the line showing numbers of passengers for buses in london goes up quite steeply over the last 40 years it dips a bit in the last few years for various reasons but remains very high comparatively buses outside london and in greater manchester have been going in precisely the opposite direction over that period of time and there was an interesting quote from andy burnham uh, and he said deregulation does not work and I would say not just on buses, but on many other things as well. The mantra that the market is the answer to everything has been disproved by bus deregulation. So I guess it shows just how high the stakes are for this to work. It's not just about buses, but it's about what role the state, whether it's national state or the local regional state, has in the way that our public services run so it, it you know potentially has pretty major uh major implications and obviously going in the in the more recent past we had various governments have made attempts to improve our bus services boris johnson famously used to make models of buses out of uh what uh cardboard boxes and crates and stuff like that he he said when he was still prime minister and he back in 2021 he had his bus back better strategy didn't he worth three billion pounds to try and sort of supercharge bus services, bring them up to the standard standards of London outside the capital, but a few, for a few reasons it didn't didn't work. One of them was that the money was much less than was promised in in actuality, and some areas like 
South Yorkshire uh, missed out completely uh, on any kind of any kind of funding to improve their improve their services. And at the same time, passenger levels for most bus services uh, around the country are not where they were before the pandemic. Um, there's a few exceptions to that, and like the the times that people use the buses has changed a lot. People tend to use them a lot more sort of for leisure purposes now at weekends, etc. But in terms of overall passenger numbers, they're still not as high as they were before the pandemic. And that has the obvious knock-on effect that the bus companies that run these services don't have as much revenue as they used to have. And then they have to cut the services and then that makes the services worse. So people are less likely to use them. And it's a vicious circle, which just ends up with services getting worse and worse or local leaders, uh, like whether it's the mayor or local councils having to step in with taxpayers' cash to uh, sort of prop up some of these services that are not deemed to be commercially viable. So it's not a good system at all, the way it's working at the moment. It's sort of symptomatic of, uh, you know, the, the broken nature of our public services in this country, uh, I, I think, the way that buses work at the moment. So the big hope for... Andy Burnham and people in Greater Manchester is that taking buses under public control is going to be the answer to this. It's going to be the the, the sort of the silver bullet that's going to solve all these problems potentially, at least uh, in in the long term. So, for people getting on the bus in Wigan or Bolton or wherever on Monday, what what are the big differences that they're going to notice? Well, in truth, they probably won't notice many differences immediately because last year, um, Andy Burnham announced that the fare fare caps, um, that limits of single tickets to £2 for adults, £5 for a day ticket for any bus, um, that came in early uh, before this sort of launch of of the B network. So they won't notice a difference in cost. What they might notice is uh, their bus is yellow. Um, There's 50 new buses uh, that are going to be rolled out on launch day. Um, but some of the existing buses are already, um, well, many of them will already have been turned yellow um, before that. So um, in truth, I think there won't be a huge difference for passengers immediately. Um, the, the overarching sort of aim of this, as you said, is to get numbers up and that will be partly done through fares, um, having like a standardised fare. I mentioned like the £5 all day ticket. Before that, there was some kind of equivalent that was more expensive available. But you used to have to pay a different uh, for a different ticket each sort of bus operator you were using. So if you were going on a particularly long journey and the bus operator in, um, the predominant bus operator in Wigan doesn't operate in Salford where you're travelling to and you had to change buses, you're paying twice. The prices would be different. It's hard to work out what sort of the best deal is. So that's a big part of it. And um, that has had an impact so far. Numbers have gone up slightly since then. Um, but there's loads of other things to it. So um reliability uh, whether your bus is sort of coming on time um that's a really big thing that's something that will put people off um from even thinking about catching a bus if they don't know whether or not it's going to turn up uh, and when they're going to get there um and there's those of other things as well that are about how this will be integrated within the rest of the transport network so bus lanes um and how sort of buses timetables match up with 
um, Metrolink with the trams. Um, there was there was some talks of a, couple, a few weeks ago about how they're going to try and match up nighttime services so that your last tram and your last bus sort of align. So it's, it's all of that kind of stuff that will make buses fit in better um, that now Andy Burnham and sort of Transport for Greater Manchester will have more control over. Um, it's, it's sort of the things that... Um, the things that won't be happening anymore that probably will be not noticeable immediately, but bus operators won't be able to just scrap services with like a couple of months notice as they can now. Um, So it's all these things that will take a long time, I think, to feel the impact. The only tangible impact on day one in the boroughs where um, the first phase of the B network is launching is really sort of those 50 new buses, which will look great, by the way. (laughs) They're like, I was on a bus in London this weekend and I'm pretty sure they're exactly the same, except they've only got a door at the front, um, the new ones in Greater Manchester. So they're sort of really high standard modern buses, only 50 of them. The rest of them will just change colour. Um, but those are the kind of differences. But I, th- I think the the big thing so far has been the fares, which has already been in place for the last year or so. In the briefing yesterday, they made quite a lot of the launch of the new uh, app, uh, haven't they? The, the B Network app, which obviously people will... Uh, download onto their phones and that has a lot of uh, advantages like sort of real-time bus tram and rail information so it actually tracks where the the, the buses actually are rather than just relying on where, where the timetable says they ought to be and you mentioned this earlier the the rate your journey element of the app I thought was particularly interesting and that's kind of a novel thing with bus franchising, as you said, under the current system, there's no real way for passengers to hold bus companies to account for the services that they provide. You can send an email to First Bus or Arriva or whatever, and it will probably just disappear into the uh, into the ether and not get a, not get a reply. But this app makes uh, has a very prominent section where you can provide feedback on uh, the service a particular route has given you and Andy Burnham was saying uh, in this briefing yesterday that will actually have an impact on the services that are provided because under bus franchising, the Greater Manchester Combined Authority or Transport for Greater Manchester, they draw up contracts with the bus providers to provide services. And if they're getting lots and lots of negative feedback, that will feed in to the contracts, the way that they're structured and when when they're reviewed every every few months it could have an impact on greater manchester has it in their power to ask bus companies to do different things based on uh and improve their services based on the feedback uh that people get so there's going to be a real consequence for you know good or bad performance and uh that lack of accountability that we've seen in the past won't be there i mean the other the other thing that i noticed from the the briefing is that, like you say, there might not be a huge difference straight away, but I think it will. The, the difference will be felt more over the long term because the bus network, the B network, is not being introduced everywhere in Greater Manchester. It's Wigan and Bolton, uh, bits of Salford and, and Bury, but the and so the whole network won't be up and running until 2025. By which time there will be other. Things like you know journey planning, you can plan your journey on the app and that kind of that kind of thing. So it's a sort of it's going to be a big bang of publicity to start with, but yeah, there'll, there'll be more changes coming down down the down the route. Um, so 
obviously everyone in Greater Manchester is very uh, well in in you know in Greater Manchester combined authority is very happy that this is happening, but not everyone loves the idea of bus franchising. It's fair to say. I think it's the kind of idea that in you know left of center politics is seen as this uh this this amazing solution to all the problems with our public transport system but i'd say on the right of politics if you speak to conservatives they are more skeptical about whether it would work or not uh and a few months ago i had richard holden who is the government's roads minister and an mp in uh durham uh on the podcast and i asked him about bus franchising and the pros and cons of it for different parts of the north If people want to go a stage further, that's totally up to them uh, with the uh, franchising arrangements. What that means is that uh, really the local authority, although it will, um, it basically will get private operators to run the routes, uh, they will have control of the fares and the fare box. Now, for local taxpayers, that's got ups. There are there are two sides to the coin on that one. Uh, one is that, that it means that local taxpayers will bear the fare box risk, which is a, a not an insubstantial thing to do. Um, for, uh, for, uh, for for local authorities and for the combined authorities. On the other side, it means that they have much more control over when where the services operate. But it is uh, it does put a lot of it. it, it so it's uh, for some areas it might be the right thing to do. For other areas, it might not be. Um, but I want to give that control and that democratic accountability of those decisions uh, to local people, which is uh, which is why we've um, put forward the schemes in the northeast. Uh, BSIP, they're looking at doing an enhanced partnership model uh, where there will be more uh, control from the local authority, but without taking that fare box uh, risk. That was Richard Holden. And uh, last year, about a year ago, at a uh, Tory party conference in Manchester, Ben Houchin, the uh, Tees Valley Conservative mayor, perhaps the uh, the the anti Andy Burnham, um, he had some interesting things to say about what Burnham was planning to do. He said, fundamentally, Andy doesn't have the money to be able to do what he wants to do for bus services, and he certainly doesn't have the money to do what he wants to do on capping bus fares, which is why the announcement he's made very recently was to try and put pressure on the government to give effectively a mass subsidy to be able to do so. So I think what he's getting out there is the fact that to pay for these subsidised fares, the money's got to come from somewhere. Andy Burnham is hoping it will come from lots more people using the buses. But there is a risk, isn't there, to the public purse now if that doesn't happen? And you were kind of asking him about that, weren't you, at the, at the briefing? What What's the risk if, if this doesn't work in terms of the, the financials of the whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, is, it is a risk um, because the whole vision is predicated on um, making fares more affordable means we'll get more people on buses and it becomes that virtuous cycle, um, unlike what we sort of have now. I should say, actually, one of the other changes that will come in day one um, in terms of fares is you would be able to buy tickets that work on buses and train uh, and trams. Sorry. Um, so that's something that's new that's going to be launching um, on uh, next week. Um, so that similar to sort of the cap that you get in London if you're traveling on different types of transport that will start to be phased in um, as the B network launches um, but ultimately if people don't get on board which has been Andy Burnham's sort of slogan since last year when it comes to buses um, then it won't work um, and <clears throat> funding will be a big part of that I mean you're right in, in the more sort of 
um, that the skepticism the, of about franchising probably does come from more conservative circles, like the examples that you gave. But last year, when um, Andy Burnham, when Greater Manchester won its le- the legal challenge um, uh, about the bus reforms, that uh, a bus operator, a couple of bus operators, um, when they challenged the decision for franchising, I spoke to Grant Shapps, I think that week. Uh, who was transport secretary at the time and he said we want more of the country to follow this sort of this journey we want more of the country to have this kind of system and obviously when it comes to um capping bus fares uh that's something that's been introduced across the country um so there is definitely skepticism about whether the franchising model will work but i think there's a lot of agreement as well in the sort of uh the, the general vision for um uh, what we're trying to get to, I suppose. It's maybe more of a question for some people about how we get there. But I th- funding will be a really big issue. Um, at the moment, I think the the fair caps are, are being subsidised by the government. I think that funding is only guaranteed until um, next year. I think in, uh, late, later this month, the, the fair cap is currently, for most bus fares around the country, single fares, it's two, a £2 maximum cap for a single but it's going to go up to £2.50 from the end of October I think and then it's going to uh, the whole thing will end next year because yeah the government has said that they can't continue to do it indefinitely. Yeah and I I think Andy Burnham said yesterday correct me if I'm wrong I think he said they've got the funding to keep it at the same level in Manchester until I think it was September next year but they've got a bit longer than that basically in Greater Manchester to keep it at that level. The, the, The two were sort of introduced at a similar time um, the £2 bus uh, capped fares in Greater Manchester came in just before the government sort of announced that it would be rolled rolled out a bit um, further afield. So, so, But there is still that level of uncertainty, even though there's, there's more certainty in Greater Manchester than elsewhere. Um, and I think just generally on public transport, uh, what we've heard for years in Greater Manchester, and I'm sure you'd hear the same in other regions, um, is that we don't get the same sort of subsidies that uh, transport in London would get. So the Metrolink, the tram system, for example, is self-sufficient um, and that that puts limits on um, how low fares can be kept and, and um, how well the service can be run, um, how frequently trams can run. Um, and I think the same can be applied to buses. There, we will be hearing more of that now that the system's sort of in place uh, for local leaders to take control of the network. Um, there is some funding in place for a certain amount of time, but um, I think that sort of certainty and long-term funding is what we're going to be hearing our local leaders asking the government for going forward. One thing I thought was interesting, the maybe the perhaps the topic in Andy Burnham's mayoralty that's caused him most problems is the, the clean air zone, his, his attempts to uh, clean up the uh, highly polluted air in parks of Greater Manchester by uh, imposing a charge on polluting vehicles coming into the region, which uh, was due to start last year. Uh, it didn't start because of a huge, huge wave of uh, public opposition to it and the increase in the costs of getting, uh, you know, replacing your polluting van with a, uh, a a cleaner option. So that how that might work out in the future is still being played out. But uh Burnham was saying yesterday that uh, in the coming days, I assume when the Conservative Party conference comes to Manchester, he is going to be making the case that the best way to clean the air in, place, in places like 
Greater Manchester is not through charging motorists, which is obviously a very politically unpopular thing to do, as, as uh, Sadiq Khan is discovering in London, but that investing in public transport is the way to clean the air. So it seems, it seems like quite a clever way, if, if this is the route that he goes down, of uh, sort of moving this clean air debate onto his territory, putting the ball back in the court of the government and saying, if you want to clean the air in Greater Manchester, you need to invest uh, in our buses so that people use them instead of the, the cars. Is that is that kind of how, how you saw it? Yeah, absolutely. But obviously, the other side of the argument is that if you do introduce those charges, then you can raise revenue, you can raise money to put into the bus services, um, which is an argument that others have made. I mean, that was the whole premise of the referendum we had in Greater Manchester many years ago um, about a congestion charge, um, that there will be a charge for, I think at the time it was all vehicles, whereas the the latest proposals that have been shelved wouldn't have involved uh, private cars in the way that ULES does in London. Um, But the whole premise was to get this sort of transport funding, um, uh, going back more than a decade now, it would have been in return uh, for uh, for introducing these charges. That would be part of the way of raising that money. And that was flatly rejected by uh, the Greater Manchester public. Obviously, it's been many years since then. There's been improvements in the transport network since then, which could make... um, the argument for a clean air zone uh, a bit more palatable because there are more viable, affordable, you could argue, alternatives to get, uh, especially into the city centre at least, um, without a car. Um, but I mean, yeah, it is, it is, it's obviously been a really big issue in London, somewhere where public transport is far more advanced than the rest of the country. Um, so it was, it was always going to be un- unpopular here too. And I think you're right. It, it, taking that sort of approach, Burnham is, is, is kind of getting the front foot. Um, you could say maybe for the first time since the debate is definitely Andy Burnham and the, the other council leaders have tried to sort of take the front foot on this for a long time. Now they said that they wanted to scrap all the charges after they sort of went hand in hand with the government saying that, um, it's, it's sort of the only way forward. So they have been trying to reframe that narrative. And I think, yeah, taking it to um, the national debate and saying this is the way that we clean up the air, I think, um, yeah, that, that, that shifts the narrative a bit more. Yeah. And just to sort of broaden the whole debate out uh, a little bit. Well, firstly, I'm kind of interested in how easy it's going to be for other parts of the country to do what Andy Burnham uh, is doing. The, le- the legislation that allows mayors uh, to take bus services under public control is called the Bus Services Act. Uh, But as you've alluded to, it required Andy Burnham to go through lots of legal challenges, various legal hoops that he had to jump through to get where he is today. Now, other parts of Northern England are following down that path. West Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, Liverpool City region uh, are all looking at bus franchising and they're sort of going to, they're you know, keeping a keen, a keen eye on what's going on in Greater Manchester. But it is a very long process. Uh, I spoke to South Yorkshire Mayor Oliver Coppard a little while ago, earlier this year, about the obstacles to doing it in South Yorkshire. And this is what he said. So I'd love to be able to kind of be a bit more flexible, a bit more, um, a bit more uh, impactful in some ways about some of that, and act in a more urgent way because it's frankly is urgent 
for my community, we need those buses back on the road. But I simply don't have those powers under the laws as they're laid down by this government. So the only people who can fix that are Grant Shapps, Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, the people in Rishi Sunak to a certain extent who can make that work for us in a place like South Yorkshire. They've said it's a priority for them. This is not my, you know, this is not just me saying buses are important. In their 12 levelling up missions, they said, we want everywhere outside of London to have a transport system more like the one that is in London. That's what they said. And they said they want that by 2030. That was Oliver Coppard. And uh, when we asked Andy Burnham about how long it takes for bus services to be franchised, he said he's going to be making the case that, that the law needs to be changed to make it easier and less costly for mayors like him to uh, to do what he's he's doing. There's various things that they have to do, like market assessment, which he doesn't believe are necessary. If there's a sort of democratic mandate for taking buses under public control, it ought to be a lot easier to do that. He wants non-mayoral authorities, so leaders in places like Cheshire or Lancashire, uh, to be able to uh, do bus franchising. And he also wants uh, the actual buses themselves to be the option of them being publicly owned to come back into come back into play. So it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, if, if there is an, an incoming Labour government, whether they commit to that, um, because uh, obviously there's not too much time left before the general election and it's quite a long-term, long-term thing to happen. And um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Joseph, was just about what this means for Burnham himself. Because obviously he uh, he was talking about how this is a big moment for devolution he's um you know using his powers to make what he hopes will be positive change in greater manchester he is sort of further ahead with devolution with the powers that he's got than other other mayors are and i know he has you know he's unveiled various things that he wants to do he wants to radically reform vocational education in greater manchester and he wants to radically reform housing standards in greater manchester as well it, it it's unclear to me whether he has the powers to do that, which I think currently rest with central government. So a large part of it is going to sort of be based on whether on the sort of the, the politics of it and whether he is deemed to be, you know, politically able to do these kind of things. And it seems to me that if he can make bus franchising work and be successful, that's going to make it a lot easier for him to do the take on these other big challenges in terms of you know the political narrative and what government allows him to do i mean do, do you think that's right yeah i think so i think to some extent greater manchester has been rewarded over the years with more powers as much as they might not be that tangible and obvious to the regular resident um because of its success so far um i think greater manchester i think is quite the, the combined authority is quite like a professional body Andy Burnham's a really good communicator um and I think that's in no small part um why government has been willing to hand over more powers incrementally over time I think with buses it's the first really really tangible thing as much as I was saying that on day one there won't be many tangible differences aside from the colors of the buses over time, there will be a really big... I mean, to be honest, even changing the fare so far has had a big impact, although that's happened elsewhere as well. Um, the long-term um, vision for the bus network, if he pulls it off, 
will be the thing that he can point to um, as devolution really working that everyone will understand. Um, it's w- one of the most, if not the most popular form of public transport. Um, I, I, th- I think it's something that people get um, when you talk about the skill system changing and housing standards. And you're right, there's there's limited powers there. Um, <clears throat> I think if this goes well, um, it will be good for him politically as well, because it's something that, that you know, his, his constituents will hopefully um, benefit from and, and, and understand. Um, but also, yeah, it could, it could be a really big thing for English devolution because it will be uh, proof that it's, it's, it's working if it, if it does go the way that he wants it to. Yeah, so a lot, a lot at stake, more than just uh, the future of our bus journeys. It could be the future of English devolution on the line. Um, Joe, thank you so much for talking buses for half an hour with me. That's my favourite subject, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And I'm sure we'll be back in a few months to discuss this story. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Northern Agenda podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter at thenorthernagenda.co.uk. It's more important than ever for Northern voices to be heard. The Northern Agenda is a laudable production for Reach. It's presented by me, Rob Parsons, and it's produced by Daniel J. McLaughlin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to The Northern Agenda wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Also, check out the other laudable podcasts. See you next week. Bye-bye.